covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. And fans of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman here alongside my good buddy and co-host Jim Bernier. As the season's over, we have concluded it. The NAL championship game went off without a hitch. And the Albany Empire come out victorious for the third time over the Columbus Lions, the second time in three years in the arena football landscape. And boy, Jim, it made one explosive championship contest. Yeah, it did. Uh, Congratulations to both teams that represented their cities and their organizations in the game. Um, And great production. TV wise, the TV coverage is good. Uh, and also, big shout out to the fans that came out. Clearly, the biggest crowd in Albany so far. Oh, yes. Um, for the pandemic standings or attendance. Uh, I, as of right now, I still own the official attendance. I could, should have reached out to a couple people trying to get the actual number. But overall, it was a very good uh, championship game. Uh, people, but people need to realize that, yes, the game on the field was exciting, but the it's just not the anticipation that came with the game. You look at the Columbus' side of things, they left Columbus a day late. They got to Albany Saturday mm-hmm. or the day, like literally that day. Um, the press conferences were delayed. So Columbus was, again, a little behind the eight ball, but that's none of their fault. That's just travel issues with the current time that we are in the United States. Um, and we, they won that game, and it was very exciting. Um, in my opinion, it was what an arena football championship game should be like. And it played that, played that, it played like that throughout the, throughout the entire game. It oh, wasn't yeah. just one sided, it wasn't the, uh, the semifinals of the playoffs where, the, be- the best team jumped on the, the lesser team, and by halftime, the game was decided. The game wasn't decided at halftime in this one, and you expect that between the two best teams in the NAL this, back- this past season. That's right. This was very much a back-and-forth contest for at least the first two-and-a-half quarters. Hell, we were talking about, many of us, surprised at the fact that Mason Espinoza, four plays, four touchdowns, one series after the next. Deep bomb, deep bomb, deep bomb, deep bomb, all TDs. You know, I, you, you can't make that stuff up sometimes. Yeah. But that, that made for such a spectacular start because I know that, I mean, we were expecting Albany to come out and, you know, maybe they get fif- the 15-yard passes here. Maybe they get the, the deep throw once in a while. You know, generally they'll get, they'll kind of just do a, sometimes a death by a thousand cuts and they'll get down to the goal line and punch it in. But here's Mason Espinoza and Lonnie outlaw or Mason Espinoza and Twain grant <laughs> just chucking them down. Like it's a pitch and catch. And you could see on the sideline <laughs> and if coach Manas is listening, he probably understands the frustration probably of those first four drives, really the fifth one too. Cause it was a quick turnaround from a onside kick and a few penalties got that fifth TD but you could see the frustration growing them where it's going, my God, where, where is the coverage? They're just burning us right now. And uh, 
I mean, luck, luckily they caught on later on. And I think you heard on the broadcast, it was about the motion receiver that they were seeing might've been the adjustment, but you know, for the first half and least going into halftime, I didn't know who was going to win because yes, the extra points were being the difference at that point. Craig Peterson was being very much the consistent kicker. He was meanwhile, uh, Reynolds, unfortunately, not up to snuff that evening. Uh, you know, we've, he's had a solid, t- he's had solid per- uh, performances this year, but it was not his night and it put him behind the eight ball. Luckily at halftime, Columbus had a chance to potentially take the lead. If uh, only, well, Lonnie outlaw had tempered a bit of his emotion, you know, because they got within a tie 50, 50 at one point, at least in the third quarter. But after that, seemed like Albany was keying in on either that motion receiver or just they found the uh, pieces to exploit that, you know, Espinosa and company just could not find a way through at least fourth quarter onward. Yeah. Uh, but there's a saying out there called a death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the reason why Columbus lost his game. And it's not because of Mason Espinosa. It's not because of the penalty on outlaw. It's not because of Antoine Grant, Antoine Grant. It's not because of the defense. It's not because of Albany. The death of by a thousand cuts came from the special teams of Columbus during that game. They were matching each score of the Albany Empire, every single possession. The problem is, is that Columbus was missing extra points and Albany was getting extra points plus deuces. And it happened every single possession. When you looked at, okay, they're down by two points. Now they're down by three. Now they're down by four. Now they're down by six. You're right then and there. You're down by a possession with four scoring possession, four, four drives that you've scored. Yep. And when you see reporters, when you see fans on message boards and on any social media platforms saying that the Columbus Lions need to make an adjustment. They could make that adjustment earlier in the game, but why will you make that type of adjustment early, like go for twos, and not wait till your kicker gets out of his funk, which he did. He got out of his funk, but it was a little too late. But when you look at this game, this game was very evenly matched across the board besides the kickers. Peterson was just on money that game, which he was. He was actually on money the whole playoffs. A little bit of a revenge after finding out that he wasn't the kicker, you know, the special teams player of the year. He he didn't just show it out in the playoffs and say, this is the reason why. I just, I, I look at this game and, I look at Mason. It seemed like every time Mason touched the ball in the first two quarters, it was a one-play drive. Mm-hmm. And Albany was nickel and diamond down the field, taking time away from the clock. But Albany also, you look at these two teams and you go, you know, no matter what Columbus did, Albany was going to answer them. Yes. And uh, Gibson said last week, Tom and Oss said it as well last week, and we've, you know, over our conversations over the last couple of podcasts this past season, is that Columbus just doesn't match up well to Albany. That doesn't make Columbus a bad team. 
It's just that they just don't ma- match well with Albany. These are still the two best teams in the AFL. But when Columbus looks at their final record in the season, it sees three L's, and those three L's are to the same team. You know, coming into the 2022 season, they're going to be having them. They're going to have a target for one singular team next year, and mm-hmm. that'd be the Albany Empire. Um, for the Empire, it's just they did everything they needed to do to win that game. They made the third down conversions. They made the fourth down conversion, and that comes down to the um, Malachi Jones. Um, Darius Prince, Philip Barnett, Ruffins, the offensive line, and the defense that just did enough to keep Columbus from exploding. They almost did in the second when we were getting that 50 50 time frame or midway through the third. There was a point there where it looked like Albany's defense was like, uh oh, this might be the turning point, but it never came. Dumb penalty followed by just a quick score by. Albany, and all of a sudden, it's back to a possession game. Then the defense kind of hunkered down. But my overall observation of this game is that we got an arena football game in a championship game between the two best teams. They were the two best teams all year, and they proved it again. Um, so, yeah, it, it, for me, Columbus, I'll keep your head now. That was a great year. You know, you got next year to come. Depending on how many teams uh, games we play next year, you might get Albany two more times next year. You might play them again. Um, but overall, if if you're an if you're an arena football fan, the two quarterbacks that played in this game are clearly the best two quarterbacks in arena football right now. No debate. And I will take any of these two guys right now over any IFL guy. Um, yes, these are shots fired towards the IFL. <laughs> um, it's more than shots. I'm drop, dropping bombs over there. Um, when you have a quarterback that leaves the second best team in the league in the IFL comes in the AFL to play in possibly a playoff game, that tells me a lot about the IFL and the quarterback's situation. Um, but for overall, for the NAL perspective, the two best teams, the two best rosters, the best game of the year, uh, good showing, good crowd, good production, exciting game, uh, nice championships are more than it, and also it completed a complete it completed. A successful COVID-restricted season of the National Arena League. Something we didn't get last year. We finally get it only in eight weeks, ten weeks' time. But we finally did get it. And I'm looking forward to a good offseason. Hopefully some uh, rumors and some teases we can bring to you guys later. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a great game. And congratulations to Albany for becoming the NAL champions. Also, congratulations to Columbus to a great year. Um, tough loss, but... Sometimes the, t- the, t- the, t- the hardest losses are always the smallest, but yet biggest victories down the road. Yes, the Columbus Lions have nothing to hang their head about whatsoever. Uh, heck of a season definitely was proving that they deserve to be there. The two best teams in the NAL were participating in the NAL championship game. Uh, you could argue they were two best in the arena scene. I know there's some that make charts, but... You know, to me, I would say that, you know, at least one of at least the best, the two of the best three in the arena scene were playing that night. And you got explosive, you got explosive plays and everything that you want out of an arena football game. So it was awesome. Uh, my only other point on your, on your, on talking the game, that is you brought up death by a thousand cuts, you know, looking at the Espinosa four for four, the way that it was, that it was uh, played up where it was 
four plays, four touchdowns kind of gave no break to the defense either. So felt like yeah, that they did, not, the rest, yeah. did not help that. I, I mean, no offense. Like you want to score, but you know, kind of was a thought coming up in the game was like, this is great. Albany's or Columbus is keeping this up. And this is a makes it entertaining. It was just, mm-hmm. you're like, Jesus, Columbus has to go right back out there and just kind of go, okay, <laughs> we got to go and play these guys again. And they're, yeah. they're probably not going to throw it deep. They're probably just going to chunk it down the field. So and you, know, and you know what an, an awesome comparison that is as a couple of years ago, the uh, sugar bowl of the college football playoff between Oklahoma and Georgia. Hmm. Um, Georgia's offense was just nickel and dime down the field, score touchdowns and Oklahoma is like two plays touchdown, two plays touchdown. And over time, Georgia got the better hand of them because they're like, you know what? You guys are just your defense is out there for, you know, 20 minutes at a time. Our defense is only out there for like three minutes out of time. So we're going to get more. Our guys are more rested towards the fourth quarter. So basically like a comparison to the Big 12 and the SEC game was on display in the first half of the NAL game because of Mason Espinosa. One play, one touchdown, while Albany was taking four or five, even eight play drives to score. So Columbus defense was out on the field a lot longer than they were supposed to. But then again, you know, we bet you're bashing their defense. Columbus defense had a couple of times where they could have stayed and stood their ground, but you got to give credit to uh, Grady and that offense of capitalizing on a lot of those fourth downs and third down conversions. Absolutely. And we'll actually be touching on that with our special guest this week. We were pleased to be able to invite on the the MVP of the NAL championship game, former AFL offensive player of the year. He has been with the Albany Empire for three seasons, including this one for partial. You know him well. He is an explosive dynamic receiver. It's Malachi Jones. We were really excited for this interview uh, and got getting it hooked up. Uh, it was an excellent conversation with him that you're going to listen to here. Uh, it touches on everything from the game itself to just the season as a whole. Um, maybe even hints at what might be ahead for him as well. Because I know that for us here and those in the community, we weren't 100% sure what he's going to do in terms of football. But, you know, well, to be determined, I mean, off season is ahead, so he's got time to think it over and he capped it off with his best performance of the year. And one of his best, I think I've ever seen him play since I've been watching the arena game. So uh, hats off to him, but you'll get to listen to his conversation with me and Jim right now. So without further ado, sit back, relax and enjoy. Joining me and Jim today on the Inside the Walls podcast, we have a special guest, the NAL Championship MVP. You also may know him as the AFL's Offensive Player of the Year as well, if you've watched Arena Football League. But for the NAL's sake, he's riding high right now on his best performance of the season, one that really stood out and one that helped the Albany Empire win their second championship in three years in the arena landscape. It is receiver Malachi Jones joining the show. Malachi, thank you for taking the time to join Inside the Walls. Uh, first off, as a little personal note, this is something I've been wanting to have a discussion with you for some time on another show of mine. Uh, so this is really a pleasure to finally get a chance to speak with you, uh, at least talking arena football. Um, but in terms of yourself, how, how are you doing, man? I mean, this, is, this has been about a week now since you guys have won it all, second time the Times Union Center, rowdy crowd you know, get to hoist the trophy once again. I mean, how are things for you at the moment? 
Uh, well, first off, you know, thank you for, for, for uh, having me on the show. You know, it's an absolute pleasure to get an opportunity to talk to you guys. But uh, I'm still feeling good. I mean, it's Wednesday and and literally like it still really hasn't set in, if I'm being completely honest. Um, you know, like you said, I saved my best performance for the last game of the season. So, um, you know, just extremely pleased with the way that I played and. Uh, I definitely had to thank my teammates, you know, for uh, helping me get to that point, you know, coaching staff for putting us in positions to make plays and whatnot. So, but um, yeah, man, I'm just feeling good. And like I said, we're, we're still, we're still riding this little bit of a wave from the championship, if I'm being completely honest. So, <laughs> well, it, it was a great end of the year, I think for not just the Albany, of course, but the NAL, it seemed like it was a really nice cap to what was a shortened, but you know, we're, <laughs> much better season than many I think expected from these teams you know you guys in Columbus really put on a show it was a it was a really high and high octane if I will the type of arena football game that me and Jim really like to see high scoring fast action you know you don't know what's going to happen it comes down to a few possessions so it was fantastic and for yourself you know, you really put on the game of the season for yourself uh, before that we got on here to record. I understand, you know, you've been you had, of course, the injury against Jacksonville when you joined up back with Albany midseason. Um, and I understand that's been that had been plaguing you for a little bit or at least for leading up to this uh, contest. Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, for for starters on what you were just saying, uh, you know, I think it was a great way to end the season. You know, we didn't even think you know, at, at one point that we were even going to get a chance to play just with how everything was going. So, you know, shout out to the uh, people who run the league, you know, Chris Siegfried and all those people for making it happen. You know, we had to shorten the season. It got delayed a little bit, but at the end of the day, we were able to to put on uh, a season. And like I said, I think it was a great opportunity for people to get back outside and get back to a place of normalcy, see some football. And, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, that game, shoot first half was a shootout <laughs> I mean literally right. like it was it was a great game to be a part of it was a great game to ultimately win at the end and um just like I said just uh like I said a great exclamation point uh on this shortened season but yeah no I mean I, I was battling an injury in Jacksonville like you said I hyperextended my knee uh pretty bad uh, I won't go into details what all was I always that I was dealing with but uh, it definitely I had to change my game. You know, I'm a huge, you know, I think from watching film and just by the way that I play, I'm a huge yak guy I'm in, in a, a deep threat when I have a chance to go downfield one on one. And I was unfortunately unable to do so. Um, you know, each week got a little bit better. I got a little bit more comfortable in my brace. But I mean, anybody who's played with an injury uh, similar to mine knows that, you know, wearing a brace is never ideal. Um but I was, you know, super glad that I had a chance to take it off for the last game. You know, shout out to Mike, our athletic trainer, for, you know, constantly just giving me the right rehab programs. And then shout out to our organization and um, owners for providing, uh, you know, making sure I was getting the right things as far as the knee brace and all that good stuff. Well, it definitely came in hand. Like you're you getting healthy at the right time came in handy. Uh, me and Jim last show were talking that, you know, between you and Darius taking the taking at least kind of the uh, heat from some of the secondary that Columbus has, we were expecting Phil Barnett to take a lot of catches. So, you know, I know that you are a talented ball player, but to many of us, we were like, man, he really came to play today. Play this looked like grade A Malachi Jones out there on the field. So perfect performance there out in terms of the NAL championship, well-deserved MVP. 
uh, you know, just looking at the looking at the season mm-hmm. as a whole for at least you joined in midway through, um, you know, how, how was it to get back to the arena game? I know you, you at the time had been kind of, you were supposed to be joining the CFL. Uh, I understand Hamilton tiger cats, if I'm remembering right. Uh, and I know you've been kind of, you had been kind of looking to get back to play. And from our talks with coach Manas, things just kind of landed in the right direction. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, were you referring to Hamilton as a team now supposed to play with? Correct. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Montreal, the Montreal Alouettes. Okay. Sorry, I, I, I got, my apologies. I got lost there for a second. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, every time I've left Albany, I truly in that moment, and it's no disrespect to the city, the organization, I truly thought I wasn't going to come back because of the circumstances. I mean, literally, um, you know, after I leave in 2018, you know, opportunity with the Bears and the Alliance League. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking the Alliance League is going to last. And then the league falls and boom, gets a second shot in 2019. And then after that, the XFL and the CFL come about. Okay. Personally, don't think I'm going to come back. And then literally 2021, find myself coming back to Albany, man. I just seem – I just can't get away from it. But at the same time, like I love playing there. So if the opportunity presents itself to go back and play in Albany, like I always a hundred percent look into it and I'm just glad I've had the opportunity now to play three seasons there. Um, But yeah, you know, it was crazy how everything worked out. You know, I I believe that God has a plan for all of us and, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, he, he wanted me to play uh, in Albany this season, but you know, at the end of the day, I can't help the circumstances with COVID. I mean, it's changed a lot of, you know, worlds, not just sports world, but just everybody financially, you know, guys, I know guys in the CFL had to take significant pay cuts to, to make the league work. And unfortunately rookies don't make a lot of money in the CFL to begin with. Um, So the the pay structure with it being COVID related, obviously, um, you know, it played a factor just because I have, such a great opportunity uh, with Lululemon as far as just building a career. You know, I've had the opportunity to, to do a lot of great things and in a short amount of time, you know, I haven't even been working there a year and I feel like I've made a lot of progress towards ultimately what I want to do. So, but uh, you know, like at the end of the day, I will always take an opportunity to play in Albany and, you know, I had a chance to play with Tommy Grady and, you know, Mo Ruffins and, and, a, and a bunch of my old teammates, you know, Jeremy uh, Richardson, Varmasoni, uh, um, like I said, man, just a great opportunity to to see some great people, and then, like I say, play in one of the one of my favorite cities to to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for a better, at least uh, in terms of familiarity's sake, coming back to that, you know, and getting get to interact, of course, maybe with some of the fans that you're used to talking to, you know, and getting a bit of that experience. Something that's been made of the Empire's return since they've come back, uh, and this is more of an arena community based thing. You were in the AFL. You've been now. You played in the you played in the NAL. You know there's been that was a year and that was about a year and a half gap between the bankruptcy of the AFL and now what is the current landscape of arena. Um, do you, I know that many of the some ex many ex AFL players have played in the NAL now. Um, have you guys discussed on just like you know how the league's been or like things that you think they're doing right that maybe you're like replicating what the AFL was doing at least decently by the time it came to its end in 2019? Uh, as far as the NAL? Yes. Yeah, no, I think the NAL is doing a great job with 
what they have. You know, obviously the, the budget's not the same as the AFL, but I think they they have the opportunity to continue playing the Iran football game, and they've been doing so since 2017. Um, you know, there's a lot of similarities, obviously, because it's still arena football. Um, but like I said, with with what with what the NAL is used for, and 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 uh, I guess the resources that they have, I think they do a good job of putting product on the field. I mean, obviously, I I thought, um, like I said, the championship game was uh, just as good as the shootout you would see in a normal AFL game. So, um, like you said, yeah, I think the NAL is doing the best that they can. Like I said, with the limited resources due to COVID and you know, I think um, with them having the chance to get through this season and still put a great product on the field, I think it just opens the door uh, for seasons to come. Because, like I said, I, hopefully we can get back to a place of normalcy and we can get coronavirus and this whole thing, the Delta variant, all these things kind of just under control. And like I said, get back to just doing what we're doing prior to um, 2020. Right. I Hey, I, I worry about some of this stuff myself, and I hope that we do move in that same direction as well to kind of the normalcy sake. Cause I mean, Hey, I, for my, as a fan perspective, I, I would love to go to some more football games. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing what, doing I can. And I know you, many of you as the players are trying to do the same thing where you can keep doing the profession and the career you love. So I completely understand that perspective. And so does Jim as well. We've had those talks off off air as well about those things. Speaking of Jim, Jim, if you, if you are welcome to please, uh, you have your own set of questions for Malachi as well. First off, Malachi, congratulations on winning the MVP and the championship. Thank you. Uh, my first question is about the AFL and the NAL, comparison of the two uh, leagues and competition. You played in both. What's your opinion about both leagues? How are they comparable or the, how they contrast each other? I mean, I think the, I think the difference – is, you know, like I said, the AFL budget was significantly larger. Paychecks were a lot more, um, which when you have uh, a higher budget to pay players, you obviously bring in uh, talent, uh, you know, grade A talent and whatnot. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still arena football. Um, but it's, it's kind of like just comparing, you know, NFL to CFL. You know, the NFL budget's huge compared to the CFL budget. Um, but it's still football at the end of the day. You know, so just from a comparison standpoint, you know, I, I felt like the AFL was the premier league for arena football. I mean, it's it was around for decades, you know, prior. And I think the NAL has done a great job with it only starting in 2017. You know, and like I said, COVID took a huge hit to leagues like the NAL around the world. I mean, anything that's not NFL, MLB, NBA, you know, everybody, even those corporations and leagues took a hit. So I think with the circumstances that the NAL is doing a great job. And like I said, I just hope that, like I said, we can all get back to a place of normalcy uh, at some point and just kind of, I know it will never be normal again, but as close to normal as we can. Well, I agree. I, unfortunately for my Sharks, we didn't make the playoffs, but they also had a very good attending crowd throughout the whole regular season. And it looked Mm -hmm. like Albany was this week actually had their biggest crowd of the year. And it looks like fans are finally coming out, which is good to see, but we both know COVID is the main factor. Um, Mm -hmm. Sticking with the Albany empire and your team, 
How was that meeting with Manas that made you decide to come to Albany over Montreal in the CFL? So it, it, it more so was the opportunity to come to Albany formulated from the decision I made to pursue a career with Lululemon, which is a, the clothing brand I was working with. So started working with Lululemon in November, 2020. I needed some money. You know, I didn't want to spend all the money I saved playing football over the years. And at that point, I think in August, the uh, CFL had canceled the season. And unfortunately the rookies did not get any compensation. Um, literally it was just kind of like a, sorry guys. And, and we, you know, we just had to make ends work. So in doing so, you know, I literally went in there and I needed a job and I love the clothing brand. I've been shopping blue lemon for years. And literally I, I found myself like doing things like jumping in community activities. Um, you know, recently became an educator influencer for the brand. So the brand pays me money to post about the brand. Um, and all these opportunities just started like flying in. Um, you know, again, my contract extended for three more months and them understanding what I wanted to do as a football player and them supporting it. So I kind of like fell in love with something outside of football for the first time. And it made me realize that, hey, like I can make I can still make the money I want to make and not have to put my body through the stress that it goes through. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a football player and I love playing football, but with COVID and just the uncertainty of the world, I was leaning more towards financial stability, which Lululemon has been able to stay open through the pandemic and still thrive in these conditions. So it was more so like, you know, with the restructuring of the league in the CFL and the restructuring of, of contracts, I really had to sit down and say, all right, Malachi, you're on a two-year deal with, with you're on a two-year COVID deal in the CFL. And then you have, you know, the potential of working your way up in the company at Lululemon for two years. Like, where do you see yourself being further along in two years? And I told myself I'll be 29 when I hit my second deal in the CFL. Um, and I was just leaning more towards like, I didn't want to be almost 30 and not really have an idea of like what I'm doing as far as just like building a career, building, you know, just wanting to put myself in a good position to just be good. Um, and I feel like building a career at Lululemon over the next two years would have put me in a better position to do that. So in doing so, you know, I, I retired, you know, that retired from the CFL. This way, if I elect to come out of retirement, Montreal still has my rights. So I can't just join a different team. So, okay. um, but Lululemon understood at the end of the day, I still wanted to play football at least one more time. So they granted me the leave to finish the season with Albany. And I told coach that when at the beginning of their season, like, hey, I still don't know if we're going to play. But if we don't end up playing for whatever reason, like I can still join the, the team, like basically halfway through the season. And then literally it was just a different scenario. And I ended up joining the team. So once I decided on just like my future in that aspect of it, it was an easy call because Tommy has literally been calling me since week one that he's like, I need, I want you to come back. I want you to come back. I want you to come back. <laughs> I literally had a conversation with Tommy twice a week 
uh, up until I signed. So, wow. <laughs> um, like I said, you got great guys like Tommy Grady on your team and um, in a great city like Albany. When you have a chance to go back, you go back. And like I said, I, I went back for the third time and I'm grateful that I did because it ended up getting another championship. Now, speaking about your quarterback, Tommy Grady, he's one of the greatest of all time in the arena game. What was that chemistry like in the last couple of seasons playing with him in Albany, especially with now your two championships that you won with him? I mean, it's – when you have a guy like Tommy Grady throwing you the football, it makes my job extremely easy. Um, you know, Tommy had no idea who I was in 2018 until – I caught the hitch against Philly and took it 48 yards for a touchdown. And even then he still didn't know who I was. <laughs> uh, it took like a game or two to like figure out like, Oh, your name's Malachi. Like, <laughs> but um, I've been extremely blessed to play with basically, like you said, the the best arena football quarterback, in my opinion, um, to play the game. I mean, from a prep standpoint, from a performance standpoint, you can't ask for a better field general, in my opinion. Um, literally, I just had to get to the spot. And nine times out of ten, time is going to put that ball right where it needs to be. So just having that opportunity to play with him and then just to get to know him as a person. You know, I love his family. Um, I love his wife, Lexi. Like, they're all awesome, his children. And just having the opportunity to get to know him off the field as well has uh, just has been as rewarding as getting to know him on the field. So I uh, love that guy to death. I actually I tell him all the time that a lot of my success post-Albany, uh, you know, I had to attribute to him because he, at the end of the day, he put the ball in my hands to, to go make plays. And it's led to a lot of great opportunities, you know, NFL, CFL, Alliance League, I mean, you name it. Um, so, yeah, just forever grateful to to have that relationship. Yeah, I I do love hearing that. And Tommy Grady, you know, <laughs> he has been outstanding. In, in the limited time, I've become a fan of the game itself in, in terms of arena and kind of discovering it, it later on in the AFL days and, you know, watching NAL. Uh, it, it's pretty remarkable how it, you can tell even on the sidelines how much he demands excellence from those around him and just like trying to get the best out of what you guys do on the field. Uh, really, I mean, his knowledge and what he what he needs to go and execute correctly seems to have no bounds at least what i get on the broadcast you know i don't talk to mm -hmm. him every day like you do you know but or at least what you can every day with like you do but you know the way you talk about it and the way we see it on the screen seems to be very similar in that case uh <laughs> almost to the point where it almost feels like i know the joke is tommy grady tom brady <laughs> you have that you have that like comparison yeah. and x and the way it plays <laughs> yeah no i mean literally like if you're not doing your job if you're not knowing your playbook if you're not getting to your spot tommy will find somebody that will do it whether he has to make a phone call or whether he has to uh prep another receiver at the position i mean literally i i don't think there's not one receiver in arena football that wouldn't want to play for tommy Grady. so like you said, it, it makes you want to do better. It makes you want to be in your playbook. And, and like I said, you're essentially playing with one of the, if not the greatest quarterbacks to play the arena football game. Why not be in your playbook? Why not be on your P's and Q's? Because like, like I said, he made my job very easy. All I had to focus on was 
dissecting the coverage and getting to the spot and because I knew we had the best offensive line in the league with the the last three years I've played mm-hmm. in my opinion I yeah I I think we've had the best offensive line um so all Tommy has to do is just put it in the spot so like I said it it, it makes the game fun it makes you if you prep how you're supposed to it it just makes everything smooth and like I said it, it the outcome turns into wins and championships. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I know, I know he makes the game easier for you. Someone else, the two others on you on your receiving core. That is the case. I imagine is Philip Barnett and Darius Prince. I kind of want to bring up this funny tidbit because, well, two years ago in the AFL championship game, you were playing across from Prince in terms of offensive production. Prince, whenever you were looking Stellar or Quentin Sims, Prince looked like he was the same case over of course with Dan Rodabaugh. And mm-hmm. it seemed like neck and neck for who was ever going to get the uh, AFL offensive player of the year that season. Do you ever, you two have a good laugh about just, you know, Hey, we met up two years ago. Now we're teaming up and making kind of like this uh, super group of receivers here. And we yeah, got Tommy so, Grady thrown to us. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I met Prince in 2017 when he was playing with Lehigh Valley in the NAL mm-hmm. and I was playing with the high country Grizzlies and, you know, he was the top receiver in the league. I won offensive rookie of the year. So we had a chance to speak and we always joked about uh, getting on the same team. And then obviously, you know, we both ended up joining the AFL. He became a star in Philly. I had the opportunity to become a focal point in Albany. And then obviously we also had the same path in getting picked up in the same preseason with him going to Philly and myself going to Chicago. So we've always, like you said, we've always had a lot in common. We've, we've always stayed in touch and had conversations with one another and, like I say, when I saw that he signed with Albany, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, now I have to go. Like, I have no <laughs> choice if the opportunity presents itself because now you're finally, like, in Albany because, like, he did not want to leave Philly. <laughs> so, and I don't and I don't blame him. Like I said, he he played extremely well in Philly. He, he made a name for himself in that town, so I get it. But, yeah, no, like, I'm just excited that he finally got the recognition that he deserves. Um for being the type of player that he is, you know, obviously uh, I think in 2018, I don't, I don't remember who won offensive player of the year, but Prince was still like one and two or top three. Mm-hmm. And then obviously in 2019, I won it. But like I said, Prince is still a dog on the field. Like he's a, he's a playmaker. And now, like I said, he finally got the recognition that he deserves because he literally, I, I can't, I'm watching games and he's scoring six touchdowns, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like I said, Prince Prince has always been a great player. I've always respected his game. And now having a chance to see it live in person in the same uniform, you just appreciate it that much more because um, it's like, yeah, I finally got that guy on my team as opposed to like, oh, like there goes Prince again scoring another touchdown on us, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, I, and I, I just love the extra context of like the stars finally align correctly. Mm-hmm. And it just, you get that chance after several years ago, kind of, you know, just discussing, but, you know, I, I always think that's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. We talk, we talk about, you know, you know, you got stars of the game that like, what, what do we get the, what if scenarios, you know, and it just mm-hmm. happens to be in this case, especially once you got signed, I'm going no effing way. They got both of them now <laughs> after I just watched them go against each other two years yeah. ago. <laughs> Just well, what, are, it, what are the odds, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. I had a lot of people reach out. I was like, how are you going to get the, the top two receivers uh, from 18 and 19 on the same team? Like, this cheating. And I'm like, look, man, I, 
he came to he came to the town that I love, so I had no choice but to go back at that point. Like he made the right decision. So <laughs> and um, you know, it's funny too. Like I, I just met Philip Barnett this year. Um, I knew a little bit about him from his days in Carolina and uh in Tampa with the storm. And mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like they need to put more respect on Philip Barnett's name. Um, and you know, that dude can play football, he's a great uh, X receiver for us, that big body that we need. He he wraps the jacks and, and does everything he, you need to do at that outside position extremely well. Um, you know, it's funny, like literally, you know, I, we were talking about it earlier. With me coming back, it was like a pick your poison scenario. It's like, okay, we're going to key seven. Well, Prince and, and Philip, we're going to get off. You know, if you key six, you know, me and Philip are going to get off. Like, if you tag Philip like six and seven are definitely going to get off like so what I loved about our receiver room is that we didn't care who get the credit you know there were some games that Darius scored three four touchdowns Philip scored three touchdowns I didn't score any there's times I scored multiple touchdowns Prince scored multiple touchdowns Philip didn't score any and you know vice versa so what I loved about that is the unselfishness that we had as a receiver group and like I said as long as we were winning football games we were we were having fun doing it. We didn't care who got the credit. Um, and like you said, I think those type of relationships, especially when you have so much star power at a position, um, it just makes for a great formula for success. And and like I said, it, it essentially led to us winning a championship. Just the unselfishness, not only at the receiver position, but just everywhere. You know, everybody wanted to be their best self for the for the guy next to him. And and um, you know, we wanted to prove to the league that you know, we were absolutely the best team uh, this season. Right. You know, one thing I want to bring up with that pick your poison. So one point that was being brought up during the year for us was that it seemed like the Lions, to me, the best defense, besides maybe the Empire or the Predators in the NAL this year, they they would dominate most of the competition, but it was like you guys were the kryptonite for that secondary was that pick your poison mentality the main thing that you saw or was there just something you were seeing better than maybe other nal teams weren't getting from going against like say hall and ross well i think well for starters not um, to put them down by the way that was they did an excellent job yes i have nothing but the highest respect for columbus as a team uh especially their secondary you know i I told ross after the game like I, i always appreciate going against you because he elevates my game for that week prior. You know, I know I can't just go out there and not know what I'm doing because Ross is going to eat, eat up the competition. Mm-hmm. So I told him like, Hey man, I love, I love your game. I always will respect you. And like I said, that secondary was extremely good. What I think helped us is outside of, um, I mean, I, I didn't watch too many other teams play Columbus. Um, but I think for us is that we had two solidified number ones from years prior on the same team. Okay. And then, like I said, you bring a guy in like Philip Barnett who plays just as good as a number one receiver when he's called upon. It's one of those situations where if you want to send two guys high and you force one of us to rap, Philip can rap Jack with the best of them and get upfield and make plays. Um, I can do that. Prince can do that. Like it for me is like when you key on somebody is that the three of us all still did things well to where if you left 
one of us open or you left a hole in your defense that we were going to have a chance to make plays on it. So, okay. like I said, I think from that perspective, it helped us a lot. Obviously, Tommy Gray throwing the football is always a huge plus. And then I think the um, the threat of the run as well. You had to respect the run game, whether it was Derek Ross running the football or Jeremy Richardson. I mean, literally having that element um, is a huge factor as well because now defenses can't just send the house. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to respect the run and things like that. And then obviously you bring a guy in like Mokeet Ruffins who is probably the – I've never seen somebody of his size and weight move and, and have the shiftiness of somebody who's like five ten of buck 90. Like I, I watched this film, like this dude is literally dead legging defenders, spinning, juking people. Like he's literally like a, a running back, but he's six, five, like 300 plus, you know, at the time. So him playing tight end is just as scary as the run game in, like you said, you got to respect it. So sure. I think at the end of the day, we just had a huge arsenal of weapons in our offense. And we were lucky enough to where, you know, if you keyed on somebody or you keyed on a particular position that we had two other positions that were ready to go and make plays. Um, not saying that other teams didn't have those same capabilities, but I mean, like I said, you, you got the two top receivers from the AFL in years prior, literally playing with, the top quarterback from the AFL over the last two years. I mean, you can't really ask for a better recipe for success. (laughs) Or you're, or if it messes up, you're asking how this all went down, like in flames, you know, more likely than not, something was going to click either way. So I completely understand that, that understand or that breakdown from you, Uh, you know, still again, hats off to Columbus, by the way, here, as I was as we were both saying here, we're both not knocking them. They did a great job all year. Hall and Ross were one were excellent. I thought the best secondary in the NAL this season. um, Yeah. And and don't forget, uh, you know, Mo Leggett, you know, he played with us in 19. That's right. Mm -hmm. He was a great addition for them as well. And to be honest with you, I really thought they, they did a great job because they got us in a lot of third down and fourth downs and we were just able to convert. And cause like you said, I, there was plenty of times that we caught ourselves in third down situations, fourth down situations, but we went and made a play. So like I said, I think, like I said, not knocking them at all. Great team, great secondary. I just think, you know, it was, our number was called to, to win the championship and, and, you know, went it the way that we did. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you very much for joining us today, by the way, Malachi, really appreciate it. And before we, before our last question, before we go here, um, you've talked many, very much about kind of the flame and the passion for the sport, you know, how it's changed for the last few years. You got to end on a high note. I, I know you have a career you're building yourself. Um, and I'm not saying to give anything away, but <laughs> where is you, where are you with football right now? So if I'm being completely honest, you know, I thought I had this whole thing figured out and uh, let's see, like June, mm-hmm. um, play this season, hopefully win a championship and then retire. Um, playing with the injury kind of, like I said, it didn't make the season 
not as fun, but obviously when you're playing hurt, you know, it's, you just wish you could be healthy and, and play the way that you wanted to. You know, I personally did not feel like, um, Albany got my best. They got my best for the circumstance, but obviously like I I wasn't a hundred percent all season until the championship game. And, you know, that can play, that can play on your mental, you know, feeling like, uh, you just you you just don't have it anymore. It's like ah, oh, like I'm I'm knocked up, I'm banged up. Sure. But Saturday was like I said, the first opportunity all season. I was completely healthy, and I felt like me again. And I don't know if it was winning the championship, getting the MVP, or whatever it was. Um, I felt like a fire, a little bit of that fire, like reignite. And. Like I said, I thought I was just going to be able to retire. And now it's like literally everybody who I speak to says you can't retire. (laughs) And I kind of feel that same way now, too. Like, you know, I will definitely evaluate my life in the in the new year and see where I'm at as far as just where I want to be. But, you know, the issue I was running into is I can't expect a great company like Lululemon to want to move me up in management and and things of that nature if I'm constantly leaving for four to five to maybe six months out of the year. Um, you know, I've, I've had talks, you know, maybe working with the Lululemon in Albany or, you know what I'm saying, just mm-hmm. finding ways to make it work. Now there's more of a conversation that can be had to make it work as whereas before I literally just thought it was one or the other. But I, you know, I've told people before, if I can make it work to where I can still progress how I want to, or at least somewhat how I want to and play the game, I will hundred percent do it. I just personally at the time did not see it being able to work because any like logical person, if I'm not there for an extended amount of time every year for the next couple of years, like, can you expect them to give you more responsibility? So, so that was my thought process going into it. But like I said, I, I definitely have a little bit of a, fire reignited as of right now so um you know like i said we'll see we'll see what uh god has for me in the new year and we'll go from there interesting stuff well uh we'll be watching very closely at least seeing any any hints or nuggets wherever you drop here we'll, you know me and jim will be, <laughs> will be <laughs> keeping our eyes peeled wherever you go of course uh and you know if, if this is it for you too i mean it's been a heck of a ride either way so I don't know. We'll, we're we're excited for what, whatever happens for you in in the new year and moving forward. You know, you've had a great career so far for many of us arena fans and wherever you've gone. So, I mean, hey, even had a stop in my favorite NFL team. You know, for the Bears. So it's it's mm-hmm. nice to have that nugget as well. Uh, where, where can we find you, Malachi, to keep up with you on social? So, uh, social media. I mean, Facebook is is Malachi Jones, his first and last name. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is Malachi Jones, one word, uh, underscore seven. Um, luckily I have a blue check. So whichever one has a blue check with my face on it, that's, that's the one to go to. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'll be posting about my, my life for the time being, like I said, I'm, I'm a Lululemon influencer. So you'll see some Lululemon content on there as well. Um, but yeah, man, if people, if y'all want to keep up or people in general just want to see how I'm doing, uh, you know, social media is definitely the way to go. Follow him along. Check out his uh, his life stories as he's moving along, of course, as he's saying he'll be posting them there. And Malachi, thanks again for joining the show. We look forward to whatever is in your future, you know, football, not football, you name it, you know, 
we, it's a black, it was a great time to talk to you here. Um, and again, congrats on the championship and the MVP nod. You it was definitely deserved and made for a special season in the NAL. Oh yeah. So like I said, thank you so much, you guys for having me on the show. You know, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, and like I said, yeah, well, I'm excited for the future, whatever that may hold. But um, I do know for whatever reason, I do hang it up. And like you said, it was nice to go out on a, on a high note in, in Albany. So, but uh, like you said, you guys take care and uh, you know, we'll talk soon. Special thanks to Albany empire receiver, Malachi Jones for joining the show. And uh, as I've, as I've said, or we said in there, Jim, you know, I, we both have been wanting to talk to him for a while, you know, either this show or outside of it. Uh, you know, pleasure getting a chance to chat. Like I said, he's got he's got plenty of avenues. He's got a few avenues he's thinking over as the season goes on. But I mean, if this is his last game, I mean, what a hell of a way to go out, you know? Yeah. Um, if that's his last game, he he went out as a champion. Actually, he's gone out as champion twice now. Yeah. Two seasons, and a lot of players slash coaches and administrators. And organizations, they don't have an opportunity to do that when they retire or if they plan to retire. Because sometimes, honestly, 99% of the leagues, teams, organizations, they don't host a trophy. They, they either lose in the regular season or they lose in the playoffs or they lose in the championship game. And he has an opportunity, if he does go to his uh, merry way to his other career choice, which sounds like it's very lucrative for him. Mm-hmm. And he's very passionate about it. He he has two rings, and he'll be considered uh, one of the better receivers in the AFL game. And he'll be considered one of the best receivers to ever put on the Albany or Albany Empire jersey. So yeah. it's a it's a good career, but it's not official. But at least if he does make it official, it's done. He he's doing it his his way, and sometimes finishing on top is the the best way to, you know, end your career because you won't have that sour taste in your mouth of did I do enough to achieve a goal? Hopefully we'll get another chance to talk with him at some point, you know, if, if, if any, at the least, you know, he'll have insight on a season. So definitely looking forward to future conversations possibly with him ahead and whatever he, wherever he's up to should be, should be a good, should be good for him. I think, you know, football or not, he definitely seems like he's going the direction he wants to go and, you know, I think that's fantastic for him. Uh, you know, and he helped make an excellent NAL season. I think a uh, lot of a twi- lot of uh, exciting football. You know, I know he was injured early on, but you know, even that being said, just his presence made it more electrifying. Felt more felt more higher tier because of him. Like just that, and all the AFL talent being in this season, and what. I expect might be continuing to be a trend in, in the years coming. I know that we understand that the AFL 3.0 as we're calling it. Some of us is coming back later on, but for right now, you know, it does feel like a lot of the AFL guys are top or higher talented guys are in the NAL this past year. And I want to say, I should hope that that continues to be the case, or at least the NAL becomes more of a, a premier option for those that maybe didn't step in at the first place because I thought the play was great this year. Uh, I was really impressed overall. You know, th- I mean, there there was not much I was really able to complain about. I just thought it was that good. Oh, the the play overall in the National Arena League this year 
you can't say he simulated the AFL. I think it yes. was the AFL. Uh, the only reason why I say this is because if you look at the AFL, you look at the NAL rosters, you look at even the worst team in the league, which technically is the Jacksonville Sharks. You have four guys on that roster that played on arena football league teams. And most of the people on that roster have deep experience in other arena leagues. You look at the New Jersey flight or Jersey flight. I don't know why I keep saying New Jersey, but they're, they're in Jersey people. So don't, I've already had people message me. Jim, it's Jersey, not New Jersey. Sorry, they play in Trenton, New Jersey. I win. Um, <laughs> you have uh, Warren Smith. Uh, Warren Smith. You have Laughing House. You have Dangerfield. You have weapons on that team that played in the Blackjacks, that played with the Baltimore Brigade, played with the Cleveland Gladiators. So you have history of AFL players in the NAL. The Albany Empire are loaded with a lot of former AFL players, including Malachi Jones and, their, uh, and Prince. And the Columbus Lions loaded with AFL players. The quarterback, Mason Espinosa, played in the AFL. He was back up to Tommy Grady. Antoine Grant, AFL. Lonnie Outlaw, Philadelphia Soul. And the list goes on. The Orlando Predators have a couple AFL guys. Joe Hillis, the very end. An AFL legend. So when we NAL fans, or me and you, Zach, probably, yep. say, well, the IFL is a better game, name the arena football players that are playing the IFL. All of them love, all of them tend to go to the NAL because it represents the arena game. The only thing that's different about the NAL is the Nets and the uh, Rouge rule, where if you tackle the guy in the end zone at one point, mm-hmm. and the deuce. Everything else in the game is NAL. The offense, the jack out of the box, all of that is AFL rules. So that's why they tend to go there. So overall, for me, the reason why I fell in love with the National Arena League is because it makes me remember the AFL. Yes, I know that the AFL was still around when the NAL launched in, in 2017, but honestly... When my Sharks moved to the NAL, I kind of distanced myself with AFL because there were only four teams and they're basically located within 400 miles of each other. So it really wasn't a league. It, they should have just called it the the Northeast Football League an arena because <laughs> that's where basically the Arena Football League was, was those final four cities. Um, yeah. And that's not what you like to call, you know, you know brand-wise. But overall, if I gave like a ranking out of the top 10, like nine out, I give it about a, an eight out of ten. I'm not saying it's the best arena. It's not. It it gives you that arena experience. It gives you that arena, arena drama, and it gives you that uh, that arena feel on broadcast. But the Nets, there goes your ninth point. You know, bigger arenas, bigger capacities. There's your tenth. So NAL, my opinion, gets an eight out of ten. And I, I love eight out of 10. So if you would have told me, said rate the NFL, James, out of 10, the NFL is about seven to me. Why? Because it's the same damn league every single year. It doesn't change. Just players switch and the same team still end up in the playoffs and still win. So it doesn't really change anything. Unless the small market team that has nobody on the rosters like Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl, then I may give it a 10 out of 10 because, you know, what? it's something new. That's one thing I love about arena leagues. There's always something new each and every year. And I think this year in the NAL is an eight out of ten. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed covering it. We're not done covering it. We got the offseason. We got next season to cover. 
Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good year and I give it actually, let me give it an 8.5, almost a nine because they did it during a pandemic and they got the league going and we didn't have any, you know, stalls games getting suspended because of it. So good job to the national arena league for doing that and congratulate the players that did safely and play the game that they love in some of the nicest arenas uh, on the East coast. Okay. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my rankings then. I see what you're doing. I'll lay it down. Uh, I'll give you both the uh, pandemic ranking just for, you know, pulling that off and pulling it off successfully. And I'll give you just my normal uh, for, for pandemic eight, for non seven uh, reason being, cause there's a few issues I thought should be addressed. And I know we're going to, we're going to do a whole episode on kind of like pros cons type of thing. Um, I just felt like for, I know there was one or two things that hung over where it's like, okay, this season, I still say the season was fantastic. Um, but I know in terms of say, I know officiating got brought up a lot this year. Um, yeah, it always does. I, I know it does. <laughs> I know it does. Every league does, but it just seemed like it was kind of this overhanging cloud at times. And I don't know. It's just me, but that does drag a bit of it. Not saying it dragged me completely out because again, I love the season, but I will put it at seven where I'm like, it's good, but this probably didn't help to say I'm pushing it to like a eight, you know, or something like that. But you know, I'm saving the rest of my opinion on that until we do our kind of critique episode. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. There's a few other points I'll have, of course. Um, but I guess we'll that'll be my teaser is uh that's one point that I know you and I are both going to bring up. It's a league point, but something that we'll bring up and fully dive into for that episode. It's, it's, we're not bashing them. It's just, you know, collective criticism. There you go. Like we're fans. We love the game. Small fixes. Yes. The NAL, my opinion this year compared to the crap show that was 2017 where only two teams from 2017 are still in the NAL. That's Columbus and Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the owners and how they reached out to us and how the community's accepted us, how we have a good friend, uh, relationships with these individuals. I think they will like to hear our opinions about it because it'll help them prepare for next season and will help the fans that understands like, hey, we're here to you know, cover the league for you guys. Right. But we're also here to, you know, give us some feedback so we can talk to the people that are associated with the league. So we might see the small changes next year. We might see, you know, you know, the NAL game of the week cast, you know, like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, and, tell, and tell you what, if you're a fan that listens in and you also are on the NAL news group on Facebook, start making a list because either me or Jim here is going to make a post at some point in the coming month, kind of asking, what would you like to see the league do? And yep. we're going to compile that and also our own and basically pick the pieces that we want to discuss and say, Hey, you know, here's the deal. And this isn't just like fans as well. We're also the owners that we talk to, they want to get in on this and kind of get their say in and we'll make the best of what we get and make our deduction. But you know, Moving forward, you know, we want the league to grow. It's definitely in a better spot than it was in the start in 2017. Yeah. It feels like everything we hear is the ownership 
pretty much everybody likes what they're doing right now for the most part. So cohesion is going well. So we just want to keep pushing that forward and saying, all right, good momentum. Here's a bit more of a push. If you do A, B, C, D, how many other list items we can put in that are consistent issues that the community sees as yeah there, there's a lot of chatter out there right now especially on the on these boards about each and every year and each and no matter what league if it's the cif or if it's the nal or the ifl there's always in the off season one or two teams either fold in the process um from our connections and from the people i've talked with it looks like Coming into 2022, the six teams that played this year will be represented next year in the NAL. So that's a positive sign and a good sign that the ownership groups and the management groups of the NAL know what they're doing compared to other teams and leagues like the Louisville Extreme, like the San Antonio Valor, for instance. Like just throw money at a team and think, hey, we have a football team. You actually have owners that actually care about the game. So if you guys are worried about teams folding this year, it's very highly unlikely happen. Now, if this was like the presidential candidacies, like, well, that's a light lean. Yes, there's going to be a fold or a heavy lean. That's no, there's going to be a fold. I'm going to just say it's almost there's a lock that there will be no teams folding this year. That's me telling you guys. That's from the information I have. So if you're worried about the teams, the league subtracting, you, you can step back. It's not going to happen this year. I'm really confident that based on my sources. Um, so the other question is, is that we would tease it last episode, um, Zach. But yep. uh, we were told by numerous people that there was going to be big announcements this week uh, during championship week about something related to the league. Not saying expansion, just saying something related to the league. Right. Um, Apparently, that was pushed aside. We don't have any confirmed confirmation of why it got pushed aside. Um, but from the people I've talked to, it was a championship week. Everything was so hectic by both teams, even Columbus trying to get to the facility. Everything was, you know, put back on back burner. Um, so, yes, we can, we can honestly, we're going to both say this is not sources. We're going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen. There will be expansion this offseason. There yes. will be expansion. There absolutely is. That is going to happen. That's, that's it, not sources know. telling me. That's literally, you can actually message an owner right now and say, is the league going to expand? And they're going to reply back, yes. They're not going to tell you who's going to get the team or what team's going to happen, but they'll say, yes, we plan on expanding. Does that mean it's going to happen this week? Don't know. Does it mean it's going to happen next week? Don't know, but there is a couple of rumors out there. A couple of them. If you see me, Jim Mernier, comment on people spreading false rumors, I have the reason why I know because I have so many connections in the league that I can send a text to one person, then relate that same text to another one. And when both texts come back, that's the same. That's usually there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple individuals on the NAL news board that have been posting rumors of certain cities like in Connecticut and Louisville and, you know, Fort Myers and Miami, naming random cities on the East coast. We're going to tell you right now, we do not share. We're not going to promote. 
fake rumors of expansion teams on this podcast, no matter what year it is. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can hold those rumors on that NAL page with a grain of salt. They don't mean anything. Yes, there is expansion, but the cities on that rumor list don't hold a grain of salt. Those are just throwing crap on the board. That's just yes. for us. Um, but yes, if you're worried if the league's going to expand, it is. If you're worried that the team, there's going to be a team that's going to fold, there won't be. The league's in a good situation right now. They did what they had to do this offseason or this season to keep these organizations back afloat. So the teams that are coming back next year will, and there will be some new additional teams. But do not believe any every single rumor you see on these boards because a lot of them are just fans that think they know information from owners. And there's also some owners that just give people false information so they see where the rumor mill goes on these boards. So when you see us say sources confirm or the un- Inside the Walls podcast can't confirm this, 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 and this about the expansion team, that's because it's been backed up by multiple people in the league that are telling me this. Mm-hmm. If you don't see me or Zach saying that, it has no grounds. Now, there may be a point where the NAL drops some news before we can get it. But when N- if the NAL drops the news first, they're legit. But if you have so-called you know, experts out there saying that, you know, we know the facts and dropping fake rumors, it just disrupts the body. So I was just to say this as a fan, as a fan, if you hear a train in the background, apologize, and I am walking my dog. Um, so, and I live right by a railroad track. But if you're a fan of this league and you want that juicy rumors, I know we, we, we hinted you guys that we're going to have expansion rumors or news about the NAL this, this weekend. Unfortunately, we have no idea why or what happened but we do know the AFL wanted to concentrate on the game itself, give Albany his chance to shine in the spotlight as the AFL cha- or as the NAL champions or the Columbus, whoever won it today. They gave it to the team itself. That's why. So if you see all the rumors about expansion, Zach, you can you can you agree with me this. If you do not see us report it, it does have any weight. If you see us agree to it or you see me say something, it's legit. So please don't bombard our message boards. Don't message me on Twitter and say, hey, this guy tweeted this. Is this true? Because I've been getting a lot of those, by the way. Thank you for following me on Twitter, by the way. I appreciate it. But if you don't see me or Inside the Walls confirm certain rumors on the board, then those rumors are just that. They're rumors. Don't believe rumors, folks. We're in the rumor season. And that's why the off season is so great. But we'll be here giving you factual information about the National Arena League. Uh, National Arena League. So I do apologize again. But yes, uh, we're here. We're going to be your trusted source for National Radio League news, not rumors. We're not did, fake news. Ditto on, what Jim <laughs> just, ditto on what Jim just said. I don't even need to add on much more. But basically, he wraps it up. Just we have we we have connections to every team that, to be honest, and we'll we'll let you know if it's going to happen. That that's just all I can really say. Uh, and I'm excited. And, you know, yeah. Just, and also, just want. Just tell you guys right now, all of our listeners, because we know we have listeners out there, 50, no, excuse me, 78 downloads last week. Thank you all. Really, we really appreciate it. You're listening to two dudes that talk about arena football. Thank you. So we know we do have a small audience. We're not huge, 
but we have a small audience. But I'm going to tell you right now, this offseason, our main goal, we're going to start a campaign this offseason, ladies and gentlemen. We want the NAL main page to follow us. They haven't yet. We've had all the other teams follow us, but not the NAL page. And also, our, one of our big guests we want to get this offseason on the show is Commissioner Chris Siegfried and Tommy Grady. But we can't do it without you guys. Just saying, your support that you guys given us, we appreciate it. And with that, you're building trust in us. So we're not going to give you BS information. We're your trusted source for NAL news. We'll be here by your side. Just saying thank you for the downloads this off these last couple of weeks. Um, you don't understand how big that is for us. That's awesome. We're over, we're almost over 500. No, we're literally right around 500 downloads total for only nine episodes. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you. Really appreciate it. I'm very humble for all you guys, especially the, the leading state in New York. Uh, come on, coming in, coming in big with the downloads. And, of course, Georgia with a shout-out to Columbus. And, of course, the organization over there in Columbus for the great support as well. And all six teams that support us, the Orlando Predators, social media, New Jersey social media, guys have been awesome. And, of course, all the management positions in Albany. Everyone in this league has been just so freaking awesome. We respect you guys. Uh, we're here for you guys. We're here to help you guys. We're here to promote the league. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give you the real stuff because we we have trusted friends in this or in these, these this league. We don't want to burn their bridges or burn our bridges with them, giving you wrong information. So you guys can message us, but we're not going to tell you anything. But we do want to tell you is like expansion will happen. But the cities that are behind these expansions and these rumor boards, nah, they don't hold anything at this point. Um, just just give you a, a hint of an expansion rumor. This is a big hint, Zach. This is, so, this is something we got to tell them about the expansion. There will be a new expansion team in 2022 in the National Arena League. I'm going to tell you right now what city, what state. And it's either going to be in the south or the north. But I'm going to tell you, I'll give you the big hint. The team and the city is going to be located in the continental United States. Impressive. Impressive. It's, it's a hint. You've never <laughs> seen it amaze me. Yeah. Gave them the territory. Knowing, knowing our luck, the, the NAL is going to put a team in, uh, in Bermuda. So, uh, <laughs> well, okay, that's far yeah, east. put one in Mexico. <laughs> I mean, they, they, anything's possible, really. Actually, I love the Monterey still. That was actually pretty cool. Oh, no, I've, I've heard good things. You know, they just situations, unfortunately, led to them folding, but... Yeah, heard, it's it, Mexico the travel. Too. Yeah, you got to deal with the taxes and travel wise. Yeah, it's just, but it was a good idea. And Monterey came out support, but yeah, it's just honestly, ladies and gentlemen, it's rumor season, expansion season. Trust the sources first. Don't base off of some random person on Twitter. If we report it, it's legit. If the NAL reports it before us, they're legit because they're the freaking NAL. But we want to say when expansion does happen this offseason or next season, wherever it happens, we will have the owner of that team on that on that on, owner of that team on this podcast within days after the team name. Count on that. You heard the man. That's gonna be the case. Uh, and we're gonna be watching out for that news. Uh, like I said, we we have we have the pieces to get that to you quickly, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. I know that the league's trying to be careful. Part of the reason why they pushed back any announcement if they were going to do it was, you know, try and be careful, try and be calculated, trying to be a smarter league than they have been in the past. 
They're taking the right steps and we're looking forward to seeing what's coming up ahead. And for the off season, as you're hearing, you know, we got that news. We're going to try and cover. We're going to be doing much more biweekly shows for postseason, for off season uh, shows and such. So don't be worrying. We'll be getting a schedule out and letting you, letting you guys know when we'll be dropping episodes. Uh, but you'll get more inside the walls, just, you know, not on a weekly basis, just on a bi-weekly basis. So well, we have one more. We got our award show next week. Yes. Then we'll go bi-weekly after that. So next week's episode is going to be maybe 45 minutes long, unless breaking news happens, ladies and gentlemen, then you'll get a an additional surprise podcast between the bi-weeklies. But uh, next week it will be our Inside the Walls podcast uh, um, award show. We're going to be posting a blog up either a poll on our Twitter or our Facebook page uh, sometime next week of uh, uh, certain, certain positions, uh, your fan vote, who you think won what, and we'll have the inside the walls fans player of the year, our vote, so on and so for our first and our second team um, based on the whole season, just not on the regular season. Um, so yeah, that's next week. And after that will be bi-weekly unless there's breaking news. Yep. Um, Yep. For instance, we might have an interview with this is just hypothetical. We haven't interviewed these people yet. We wish we did. If we have an interview with Tyler uh, Laughing House on 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 a on the middle of October, and then we have you know an interview with Darius Prince in between the following week, but in between that those two weeks, there's nothing there. And let's just say an expansion team got popped up in I don't know Sarasota, whatever. Just name it a city. Uh, we'll break. We'll have a breaking podcast. Literally, possibly that day, if we can get everything situated, drop it be 10, 15, 20 minutes. We'll talk about the reason the team there, uh, where subject, how everything. We'll give you the up-to-date news. And hopefully, we can reach out and get to the owner as soon as possible and get him on, and that would be the show. Um, that's if there's expansion news. But if there's nothing breaking about that, we'll have bi-weekly episodes. We'll have it on our, web- we'll have it on our website, which kind of – going to be kind of difficult because me and, and and Zach have had off we've had behind the scenes uh chaos or not really chaos um me look, this behind the inside the walls me and Zach Zach is the runner of the gridiron gallery many of you guys listen to this show um I am the host of the J sports show on the unhinged network we both are associated with the unhinged sports network now is associated with unhinged radio with a power by ability of sports. So behind the scenes, we're we're now associated with a, a podcasting a news network that is growing fast. So if you guys reach out to us, we might be busy with our other shows that we're doing or other operations we're doing with Belly Up. But I want to say uh, before I leave and you close out the show, Zach, go check that out. Bellyupsports.com. We're over there. Unhinged Radio, 24-7 coverage of sports podcast relating to hockey nba nfl um football nfl canadian football any sport maybe inside the walls but that's in the future date we don't know yet but we'll still stay here on Podbeam and on your podcast platforms but that's what we're doing behind the scenes we've been very busy just getting a little plug for our guys over there in the belly up and for us Alan hench has been a great achievement very exciting what's happening over there um but besides from that it's a great season. Again, congratulations to Albany. Congratulations, Columbus. To the fans out there, it's rumor season. It's very exciting. So you know what The Rock says. 
you know, sometimes it's an excitement. You can't hold on to it. You got to, you know, at least you got to, you know, trying to dig for it. But we'll tell you when it's legit. <laughs> Stop messaging me on the J-Dash. You can follow me on J-Dash904, by the way. That's my Twitter. Please stop sending me like instant messages saying, who's my source? Where are you getting this information? Do you know any, any, any rumor news? Yes. Yes. And yes, I do have sources. I know a lot of rumors and I know a lot of things are happening behind the, behind the stage. Please. I'm only one man. Stop messaging me. But anyway, I love the support. I love you guys. Thank you for downloads. Uh, thank you NAL for accepting us. Really appreciate it. And, Get ready for some great contact this offseason. Bi-weekly show starting after next week's work show. Thank you, fans. Really appreciate it. Love you all. God bless. Be safe. And talk to you next week. And you know what? That was a great wrap-up. So remember one thing, Jim. It's off-season, baby! You better be a jack-out-of-the-box. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned, folks.